Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zernio on special assignment today, and our good friend Peaches Hall is filling in. Peaches runs a senior center. Before that, she ran a memory unit and dealt with families and individuals struggling with dementia, and she is with us. And Peaches, it's really good to talk to you. Here. Thank you for asking me. Well, we're taking up the uh, topic of post-traumatic growth, and certainly for first responders, for the medical community, and, and for caregivers, uh, post-traumatic issues are very real. So we're delighted to welcome Dr. Richard Tedeschi to our WellMed hotline on our Caregiver SOS on-air show. Uh, Dr. Tedeschi serves as a consultant to the American Psychological Association on Trauma and Resilience. He's a fellow of the Division of Trauma Psychology and the Division of Psychotherapy, has a Ph.D., uh, and is a professor of emeritus in the Department of Psychological Science at the University of North Carolina in Charlotte. Dr. Tedeschi, thanks for coming on. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you very much. Well, let's do the 411 first and explain to folks what post-traumatic stress is all about. Well, post-traumatic stress is, of course, the uh, reaction that people have whenever they're in circumstances that overwhelm their abilities to cope. And that could apply to a variety of people in, in, in the wake, certainly, of COVID-19. It's first responders. You bet. I mean, first responders and other people in the medical communities right now uh, have, in many places, been overwhelmed by um, what they uh, what they have to cope with, and um, and how they're isolated themselves from so many people that they usually get support from, which makes it much harder. Uh, and uh, for many, uh, I was reading recently that uh, there's an increasing uh, risk of suicide among not only first responders, but in the medical community as well. Is that triggered by trauma? Can be, of course. Uh, we, we find that when people... Um, misbelonging or connecting with the people who are supportive of them, that can increase the risk of suicide. When people feel like they're losing hope, um, that can increase uh, the risk for suicide. And um, when when people just start to feel like um, they don't make a difference or uh, they don't uh, have a sense of purpose anymore, uh, that can increase the risk of suicide. So those things may be present in many circumstances that medical people and first responders are confronting these days. Well, if you uh, uh, just read one headline after another, hospitals are overloaded. Uh, on the medical side, the community is really pushed to the brink. And uh, among those who are uh, in the community trying to help those uh, combat this uh, uh, virus, COVID-19, uh, they see no answers, no solutions, and just a lot of stress. How do you help them? Yeah. Well, there's, um, there's, there's got to be um, system-wide ways to respond to the needs of these workers. 
so uh, their organizations are really important in, in this regard, uh, providing them with protection, first of all, so they know that they are being cared for. They're not just being thrown out there and uh, put in dangerous circumstances, that the organizations are doing everything they can to keep them well protected. Um, there's got to be uh, some uh, time off where they're not overwhelmed just by the stress of many hours at work. Um, there's got to be a clear message to them that what they're doing is really important and making a difference. So they keep their sense of purpose and mission in all of this. And, um, you know, if, if possible, uh, keeping them connected with their loved ones and their, and their families. You know, many, many people in these situations um, have separated to some degree from family members uh, because they don't want to expose them to some of the uh, circumstances that they find themselves in at work with, with COVID. So uh, there should be a system-wide um, response to this. We're talking with Dr. Richard Tedeschi. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today, and Peaches Hall is filling in. And, and Peaches, uh, you work in an area in, in senior services uh, where the folks who work with you uh, have been really pushed to the limit as well. How are they dealing with it? You know, we, we're we very fortunate at the center. We have a great staff, and they I'll tell you, they're putting in their hours and then some but they're all grateful because they still are able to have their job. Um, and, you know, that's another stress. And, and we always think of PTSD as just being wartime. I mean, I do. And, and we see this in the medical community where it is like war. They don't get to have time off. They, they, they're needed so, so much that they're worked overtime and they're exhausted. So we see that in a different level here at the center where, for many of our uh, members, they were babysitting. They were the grandparents babysitting the young kids, but now it wasn't safe. So now that stress is going on to their kids, not just their grandkids, because now they have to look for a, a sitting service or uh, or the opposite. Maybe the grandparents were not comfortable babysitting, but they don't have a choice and they have to watch the kids. It's, it's put everything upside down. Uh, Richard, I read in an article in, in Next Avenue where, uh, you talk about uh, a lot of this, and uh, one thing that uh, folks should understand is that it's not all a negative. You talk about post-traumatic growth. What do you mean by that? Well, we've studied this for a number of years, my colleagues and I, and uh, it's the it's the positive change that can happen in, in people as a result of the struggle with traumatic circumstances. So um, these positive changes can include things like um, closer relationships with other people. They can include things like a greater appreciation of life, uh, recognition of new possibilities or priorities for themselves, uh, a, a recognition of their, their own personal strength and capability. Um, it can include spiritual growth and, and development and a, an ability to deal with um, the fundamental issues of, of living well and, and more insight into those kinds of things. So there are a number of different ways that this post-traumatic growth may, may appear. And you talk about resilience. Well, resilience is a little different from post-traumatic growth. Resilience is when people kind of bounce back to their pre-existing level of functioning or, 
or they're, they're resistant to the adversities that they face. Post-traumatic growth means a change, a transformation, where people become different ah. after struggling with a traumatic event. So um, they become um, different kinds of people in certain ways. And so um, the, the growth eventually can lead them to become uh, maybe more resilient to traumatic events in the future. And for caregivers, how is this applicable? Well, caregivers obviously are going to uh, confront um, what we might think of as a trauma in many of the circumstances that they're, they're trying to handle. And by, by trauma here, what we mean is, and this is a key to this idea of post-traumatic growth, what we mean by trauma here is anything that challenges a person's core beliefs is their basic beliefs. They're usually unquestioned beliefs about certain things about themselves, their futures, their world that they're living in. So any event that makes people start to wonder, uh, very seriously question things like how benevolent the world is, how strong they are, how vulnerable they are, um, what's predictable about their futures, um, their own morality, um, all these kinds of things, um, when they become questioned because of the events that people are facing, um, then in that questioning and, and challenging, uh, they can change in ways that are quite valuable as they go through a process of confronting those things. And caregivers can be confronting those kinds of challenges to their core belief system. They may wonder things like, you know, how, how strong am I? Can I handle these circumstances? Uh, they may wonder about how much control uh, they have over events, and they may have thought they had some control, and now they find out maybe they don't have as much as they thought, or, or things are unpredictable. Or, I mean, there's all kinds of beliefs that we carry around without really thinking about them too much, but certain events start to raise those questions. And in doing so, again, we, uh, we can change in some profound ways, and caregivers can be uh, asking themselves those kinds of questions because uh, of what they confront every day. And I know one of your focus as well is combat veterans. Uh, how is this applicable to them? Right. In my work at Boulder Crest uh, Institute and Retreat, uh, where we have campuses in uh, Arizona and Virginia, um, we deal with uh, veterans who are really struggling with um, getting back into civilian life. Um, so after being exposed to combat circumstances where they see a lot of death and destruction, they've been injured themselves, they have PTSD and all these kinds of things that they're trying to cope with, you know, getting back to civilian life is, is not an easy circumstance. Uh, life looks really different. Um, you know, they, you know, they come home and they're confronted with a world where people are going on like nothing has changed and they've gone through some terrible circumstances. So... Um, Making that transition is really hard, and we have a we have a program there that um, that helps them through that, and is quite successful in doing so. But it's based on this post traumatic growth concept, and we we emphasize the fact that these people coming back from war are, are not broken people; um, they are not diminished. Um, they still are, have their strength, and we are going to help them uh, refocus on their strength and and move forward into a life of continued service in different ways. Doctor, I um, I can see how that would help with some of our seniors because 
what I'm concerned about is when we do open back up again, I think the fear is going to be hard to get some of them back out again. And so I mm-hmm. think that's going to be real important for us. All right, Peaches, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Peter Tedeschi is with us on our Caregiver SOS on our hotline. Peaches Hall filling in for Carol Zernio. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Now more than ever, nothing is more important than your health. For more than 30 years, Wellman has been here for you, providing safe, convenient access to compassionate care, developing new and innovative ways to connect with our communities. Wellman cares. Our mission is to help you be well and stay well. The Medicare annual enrollment period is from October 15 through December 7. Remember to choose a health plan that puts you with a WellMed doctor. Visit WellMedFindADoctor.com. Hello, friend. That is so applicable to what we hope one of these days will be the aftermath of COVID-19 when we crawl out of our homes, our eyes blink against the bright sun, and life goes on. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today, and Peaches Hall is filling in for her on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline. We're talking with Richard Tedeschi. And Peaches, I want to come back to something you were talking about uh, because I know WellMed launched a, a really huge WellMed Delivers program, a WellMed Meals program. We've sent social workers and others into the homes. Uh, a lot of seniors have reached a point where they are just terribly afraid, literally, to leave their homes, Peaches. They are. Um, I, we did a home visit um, last week where uh, we saw the beginning of a hoarder. And um, so we're working through that with her, trying to get her some help. But uh, we see that the, the fear of coming back out is is becoming a comfort. And when they they feel good about just staying home and not coming out is where we want to work on it. But I like how the doctor is saying that it's going to be some changes. And maybe the change is for us to ask other seniors to help with that. Maybe the ones that are, a little, that are you know, a little bit more comfortable with it will start knocking on those doors and re-inviting them. I'm, I'm not sure, doctor. What, are, what do you think? I think that's a great thing uh, that you're talking about there because in our work at, at Bouldercrest, for example, with the veterans, the final piece of our work with them is helping them plan their new mission in life, um, how they can continue to be of service. Uh, what people go through and the terrible circumstances people are confronted with, um, if those things are just mere suffering and difficulty and misery, it is, it is really hard to continue to go on. But if you can find some kind of purpose and meaning and service and benefit to other people, then you can tolerate a lot. And so I think your idea of helping these seniors figure out some ways to be of service to others and using their capabilities, their energies, and their talents and their, and their willingness to, um, to give uh, would be a, a great thing. So then you get... Uh, people receiving this help, uh, but the givers end up, you know how it is, sometimes when people volunteer and they give and whatnot, they, they, they feel like they get more than they've given. You know, the, the, the benefit to themselves of just the feeling of 
being of help and service to another people is so great. Uh, so, so I think it's a great idea for you to, to try to make those kinds of things happen. Now, there are many of our seniors who uh, are uh, using telemedicine as a way at, at least to talk to their primary care physician. And I asked you off the air, Dr. Tedeschi, whether in, in your work telemedicine is playing a bigger role. Is it? Well, yeah, ever since uh, mid-March, wow. I've been doing uh, all my work uh, with video. Uh, I haven't been in the office since then. Um, I'm protecting myself. I'm 70 years old, <laughs> so I've got I've to be careful about myself, too, and my family and the people that I work with. So we're working all uh, telemedicine right now, and it, you know, it has some glitches on occasion. There's technical difficulties that arise. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority of people uh, have have adapted to it pretty well. And you could do uh, counseling and uh, support services via telemedicine. Absolutely. That's what I'm doing. You're exactly right. When I'll see you're 70 and raise you eight, I'm 78. I have really been <laughs> home. <laughs> Have been home oh, since I'm the March. Baby. I'm 69. You are a baby. I know that. Uh, I do come. I do come into the radio studio uh, to do these shows. Thank God for that. I get out of the house, and uh, Mark, our technical director, is all garbed up, and they use a whole lot of uh, disinfectant. Uh, but the risk uh, of bringing home uh, COVID nineteen uh, is so great if you get out and exposed. Uh, and in your own case. Uh, uh, You've seen some of that, have you not, Peaches? Oh, yeah. Um, we just got a, uh, I got an email the other day that two of our regulars, you know, they asked me to make sure they're on our prayer list because we, we send out an email every week to make sure we connect with people, whether we're calling them or we're Zooming with them or we're emailing or texting them, but wanted to be on the prayer list because he and his wife were both diagnosed. So, yeah, and it's nice that they reach out to tell us and that they want they want the connection from other people. There's a warmth even in an email. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm a member of your uh, Ingram Senior Center, and I get your uh, calls, uh, which are really uh, very nice and very encouraging and very supportive. Thanks. We, we really like doing it. We re- enjoy it. Just like the doctor says, we get more out of it than, you know, anybody else does, especially our birthday songs because we stink. Ah, so, doctor, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Dr. Tedeschi, take us more on this path of post-traumatic growth, uh, and, and maybe those seniors who are homebound or the caregivers, what direction do you think they can go in? Well, let me say this. Um, maybe we can talk about this for just a moment. Um, the mo- most important thing that people can do to encourage people towards these kinds of outcomes, this kind of growth, is to be what we call an expert companion. Companionship is the most important thing. Uh, so to be a good listener, to learn from the person you're providing care for, uh, to learn about them and their lives and their uh, their fears and concerns and and what they're trying to cope with, being a good listener, a learner about the person you're trying to help. Uh, that's what we call expert companionship, and and that's that's foundational to helping people move past their traumatic stress uh, more towards growth. And that doesn't mean that you solve all their problems or they won't have any stress or there's no difficulty in life. Far from it. Um, but um, in the midst of all that, again, they have connection, support, and hopefully 
most important, a sense of purpose and mission. That there's still something about their lives that is important, um, and you can help them uh, perceive what those things might be and, and create them if necessary. So uh, that right. expert companionship is crucial. I love that. When um, I used to do memory care, um, whenever we'd get a new um, person in, we would find out about that person and write a bio on them, and not their favorite color or what they're, you know, what they like for dessert, but where they used to live and were they married, you know, previous, and do they have grandchildren that live in different parts of the world, and all those kind of things that we could somehow, even when we're flipping through magazines, be able to communicate that to somebody. You know, that it's so important. How do you connect with someone if you don't know them? That's exactly right. Well, Dr. Tedeschi, you do, exactly that for, right. you do that for a living. Yes, right. I connect with people that I at first do not know at all. And, uh, and the kind of things that Peaches was just talking about, I mean, in my therapy and counseling with people, I get to know all those kinds of details, you know, you know what, they're, what they enjoy, what they know, what they've experienced, uh, what's important to them, who's around them, where they've lived, um, all kinds of things we talk about. And that's a foundation for me understanding uh, wh- where they are now in their current circumstances that are so difficult and what they can, what they can glean from the past and who they are uh, to bring those things you know, to focus and, and help them deal with the difficulties of the moment. I was thinking the other day about families who have lost a family member to uh, uh, COVID-19 who have not been able to have a funeral, have not been able to do what will be the traditional farewell in our society, who keep putting it off, putting it off, uh, because folks can't gather. Uh, for them, uh, they're almost stuck uh, in grief, Dr. Tedeschi. How do they get out of that? Well, you, you, you know, being stuck in grief often means that you are pining for the past, and uh, you can't see your way into the future in any sense. Uh, and this pandemic has made it very difficult for people to see their way into a future when you're just, you're, you know, in quarantine or you're afraid. And, you know, it becomes very, very difficult under these circumstances. And, so, Doctor, don't you, you, know, don't yes, you feel sometimes that the celebration is something that's missing, even in a funeral, because it's celebrating their life? So what I've been able to do here is we just had somebody who lost their father um, in another country and they weren't allowed to go, but we, the yeah. father had visited and come to the center and everybody knew him. So as one of our emails that we sent out to 2,800 people, it showed a picture of them. We celebrated it. Even if it was in an email, it was still a celebration. And sometimes that helps in closure. Yeah, I think that's that's right, that you, that you, you have to... You have to go to maybe some um, into some new ways of making sure that people are celebrated, recognized, and um, and you know it's 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 not it's not the usual, um, but you have to get creative about it, mm-hmm. and and maybe talk to a number of people um, so that you don't take that on all yourself. That you get ideas from family members and other people who are, are, care about this person and, and, and get those people together to, to create something. Um, mm-hmm. When you get a number of people together to, to figure out how to deal with a problem like this, it's sometimes surprising uh, what comes of it, and it can be quite wonderful. 
Do you have a website for folks who are listening who may want to follow up on a lot of what we have been talking about? Well, um, they can go to bouldercrest.org. That's B-O-U-L-D-E-R, crest, C-R-E-S-T, all one word, bouldercrest.org. And there's a lot of information there about post-traumatic growth, uh, as well as our, our various programs at Bouldercrest and uh, videos and all sorts of all sorts of uh, resources people can tap into. So uh, that would be a good resource. Got about 30 seconds left. Any final word you want to share with us? Well, I, I would say that um, there's always hope, and um, I wouldn't do the work I did if, if I didn't think that. And I think if you... Uh, look at yourselves and the people around you and how remarkable people are in responding to crises like this. Uh, it can be quite inspiring. So um, just look carefully, and, and you'll find people working hard to move in that direction. Thank you. Really, really appreciate your time, and uh, I hope we get the chance to do it again. Take care. Thank you very much. I enjoyed talking to both of you. Well, thanks. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Dr. Dr. Richard Tedeschi, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS on Air. And Peaches, you get an A+. Plus. Thank you. Appreciate you being you're, here. You're kind. For Peaches Hall, for Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We will talk with you again soon on Caregiver SOS on Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.